When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. What up, y'all? Happy June. We are back with another edition of the DNBR Draft Podcast presented by DraftKings Sportsbook. I'm Justin Michael. I'm back after a temporary hiatus. I apologize, but I'm really happy to be back. Hank, great to see you. Dre, always great to see you. Happy birthday, my man. Thank you, thank you. Got an abs victory for the birthday. We're all riding that high. We're all feeling a little bit tired, probably. Uh, I know I am. Drank a few too many cold ones while cheering on the boys, but that's how it goes. We got a fun episode planned, man. We got a ton to dive into. Uh, Mel Kuyper dropped his top 25 for 2023. Uh, We've got more NIL drama. QB tiers, we're going to dive into the Pac-12, the Mountain West, talk about some power rankings, the most intriguing prospects, players we just like, all kinds of stuff. Uh, We're really in our bag today. This This is the type of stuff we love to do. How do you guys want to start? Do you want to just start, I guess, real quick by mentioning? It, it seems like there has been, in the last year, the coaches have kind of flipped in terms of NIL and how they're talking about it. Like going into last year, I feel like everybody was doing the big sales pitch. Oh, it's great. So great for our players and this. And now we're seeing the coaches kind of lose control and you end up with the Jimbo, Nick Saban situation. Ryan Day came out today and said that he needs $13 million if he's going to be able to keep his roster intact. Um, I recently interviewed CSU head coach Jay Norvell. He told me that like average power five transfers, these not even five stars, you know, like two-star, three-star guys that would be dropping down to the Mountain West that they easily would have been in the mix for six months ago. They can't even get a phone call back now because of the way that this is how gone all gone. I don't know. It's just interesting. It doesn't feel very sustainable to me. Yeah, I think the best part was... So, obviously, when, when you have a situation like this, there's going to wind up being a market. Like, there's, there's a price that you pay for whatever kind of player. And in the first year or so, it's just chaos. It almost turns into, like, a bidding war or whatever. But the best part of what Ryan Day said was basically that the going rate for a, uh, a top-tier quarterback is about $2 million right now. Elite edge rusher, a million. Um, elite offensive tackle, a million. And so it kind of starts to show you what the price is for all these players in college football. And, and that's that's the first time we've heard of it. And same thing with the $13 million total for that entire roster. And obviously, I mean, keeping Ohio State's roster, yeah, that's going to cost you $13 million. Keeping Colorado's roster, 2 to $3 million probably is more likely. And that might be even a little bit optimistic for the buffs. But... 
just to kind of start to see where these numbers fit in, I, I think is super interesting. Yeah. Um, I mean, what what the J? What's the reasoning for wh- where are those two to three star P five transfers going? Where they can get the money that CSU can? Well, get? here's That's the I, what I'd love. it's it's not necessarily that they're getting it. It's that they think that they should get it, and so it's it's everything changes. So I mean, you might be able to land these guys later in the process or something like that, but. I don't know. I just think the whole process of keeping your roster intact, recruiting in general is becoming very wonky. And and the thing about the NIL money that I think Saban brought up and, and had a good point, it's you give a guy $2 million to come. If he doesn't play and he dips, what do you do? Like as it's just, I don't know it. I, I don't know how you keep doing this. If you're Bama, if you're Ohio state, that's fine. But my whole point is if you're a program like CU, for instance, let's say, CU finally gets the, you know, they get the support. They drum up a couple million dollars. They land this big hot shot prospect. He transfers out six months later. Now, all of a sudden you have a, you know, an alumni group is like, no, we're not going to give out more money. We just did this. And he left. I, I don't know. I think it's scary. I think we're heading to a point now where we really are kind of splitting into, you know, there's going to be like 10, 12 teams that are kind of in their own deal and everybody else. I, I mean, I don't know. It feels a bit dramatic, but just. Yeah. Given the state of college football, considering we cover CU and CSU, very average sized programs in the Pac-12 and Mountain West, it's it's a little bit alarming to me. And I and I want the players to get paid. This isn't like an anti, you know, players don't deserve it. I just the lack of regulation, you know, there's salary caps, there's contracts involved in professional sports. If it's gonna be professional sports, let's get some regulation going. Yeah, but again, we're talking about college football, you know, so it's not like the whole I think, I think you could go back in most years. You could say, here's the 10 to 12 teams that are actually up at the top. And there's a little bit of turnover no, that, that happens over time. But, I mean... But there was some parity, was the thing. was Everyone had the same amount of scholarships. And yes, there were players being paid behind the scenes shadily. And now it's just out in the open. So you can make an argument it's not that much different. But I don't you know. know. My thing, it feels I think more dramatic. Colorado was never competing with Ohio State anyway. Same thing with Colorado State. And so it's one of those things where it's like, yes, they it were sucks. 25 years ago. That, yeah, that's true. That is true. And 25 years ago, they would have had the money to do this stuff too. But it just is much harder to move up and down from one tier to the other now. Um, again, I mean, we're still in year one of this. There's going to be a whole bunch of rules that come in over the course of the next five years that try to change these things. And I still think that there's a real chance that you wind up in a more competitive place because you have brought everything to light. And then you start trying to regulate it. So we have to see where things actually end up. Um, but yeah, I mean, you just gotta you gotta build a fan base that is big enough that you wind up with a couple of people who have a whole bunch of money and they'll blow money on your football team. Assuming that translates to wins, because just like it's gonna happen at CU and CSU, if you invest a million in a hot shot recruit. And then they transfer out to USC, who offered two million, yep. um, or Texas, and they're still just Kentucky and winning. I don't know. Kentucky's actually been really good. They've been pretty fun the last couple <laughs> um, of years. Yeah. But I don't know. You're still Vandy, and you're like a four-win team in the SEC. I mean, the bubble's going to burst on the SEC mm-hmm. pretty soon. 
Like all these schools, I mean, how long are you going to just invest money though with no results? Is what I'm saying. That also, is Crimea River, thirteen million. What's Ryan Day making a year? I'm sure at least four and a half, yeah. five a year. Because we yeah. could cut that contract real quick, and I bet you Ohio State with that same talent they're bringing in is going to be just fine. They're still going to win. Agreed. I don't know yeah. if you followed Ohio State the last twenty five years. They went from you know sweater vest to urban to Ryan Day, and it's been just fine. Um, so, you know, 30 million sounds really cheap to me. 30 million to in five years sounds like what you'll be paying that five-star quarterback because that's what he's worth it. Like, the Big Ten's making a billion in contract money. Yep. So, 30 million for Ohio State's roster? Yeah, well, and that's the up. thing. That's the important distinction here that I'd like to just clarify on. I'm not saying these players aren't worth the money. They clearly are. Go out and get it. I just would like to see. I want some clarity on how this whole process is going to work. You know, if there needs to be certain time frames for when the transfer process is going to happen, is there going to be a max bidding process? Like, you know, there's max contracts in the NBA. You, you could give him this much money if you stay here. If he wants to leave, he could go elsewhere and make this. Like, I just want to see some clarity with the whole thing. And I'm sure we'll get there in a couple of years, but it's, I don't know. Yeah. It's pretty crazy I, right now. What, what's happened though. now is we've outgrown the NCAA. Absolutely. So we are at a, we are at a crossroads where do we want to keep this wink, wink, everything's allowed, but it somewhat feels governed by a governing body um, that has amateurism in its title, which is just, I mean, yeah. I'm, all, I'm raising my daughter to not get tied up into symbols or words because, boy, that's our world for you. So, uh, so many bullshit titles on things that mean the exact opposite of what they are. Well, the only well, thing that's keeping amateurism alive right now is that these sports pay for the non-revenue generating sports. And that's where it's always kind of been this thing where they kind of hold it over where it's, oh, do, you're going to screw over everyone else. But at some point, you kind of just have to recognize the situation and why is it their obligation to finance the swim team? It, mm -hmm. The school's a million dollar enterprise in itself. Go get, you know, your own budget. Well, and that's where you get into public schooling. And I mean, um, and that that's a lot of the constraints the two schools you're covering cap. Yeah. Um, is, and that's some of what Saban's talking about. That's where they would like more consistency. Some, it's what the SEC commissioners talked about. They need more consistency on a state by state basis. They're really trying to pressure, um, the politicians because, as we all know, sports is one of the few things that actually drives people to activism, sadly enough. Um, and so I think we're I think we're at a real crossroads where do we do we stay with this and the prices are only going to balloon more. Mm -hmm. I mean truly like 13 million is going to look like a joke in in 3 years. Mm -hmm. Or do we start to, you know, really enter some football super leagues that yeah, it's still Alabama but it's really more like the school has almost has like a side entity that is a, a billion dollar mm -hmm. football program. That's part of like the second most popular football league in the world. Yeah. Um, and that's just how it is. We and might from, be going in that direction and I'm not even necessarily saying it's wrong because I mean, like we said, the parody isn't there now anyways, but if that is where we go, 
and this is just my my opinion, mm-hmm. my gut. That is the death of college football in the state of Colorado. Yeah, I, the going back to the other thing though, where it's you talk simple. about like max or contracts. maybe that becomes real college football again. Sorry to cut yeah. you off, Hank. You or it becomes maybe? like something like the FCS. It's like a hybrid, yeah. but it's it's not I mean, going to be money. I mean, you can cheer, you can get behind that, but my whole point of like the days of you know, like CSU, you know, you being a top 25 or, you know, CU, you know, ever being relevant mm-hmm. again, it's, that that goes out the window. Your best case is Northern Colorado when they won a Division II national championship. Yeah, and, and I, I'm just saying, if you want this to be regulated, just be might warned. Be that. Yeah. This being regulated might mean the end of that. And there's so, a lot of strings attached here. Again, like the driving force behind all that would be people not going to games People not watching these teams play because right. there has been a massive decline in people caring about both of these football programs. And a lot of it just has to do with them not being as good as they were. Uh, but like when you talk about not having the money to compete, it's easy to say like money just feels like this magic thing that just comes from somewhere. It comes from your fan base and you being able to monetize that by selling TV rights and doing all those things and get it, getting into like you guys talking about how the prices are going to balloon and next year, the Big Ten is each school is supposed to get sixty million dollars from the conference. Same for the SEC, forty for the ACC and the uh, Big Twelve, then thirty-seven for the Pac-12. By what fiscal year twenty twenty-four? That's ninety million for the Big Ten, mm-hmm. sixty-five million for the SEC, mm-hmm. and all those things go up. And so, yeah, it could easily be thirteen million dollars for a quarterback. The weird thing is, though, if the going rate's two million dollars for an elite quarterback. Why is Malik Willis going to the NFL where he's making 1.2 a year? Again, it's because he slipped to the third round and didn't see that coming. But that's the draft conversation. That's yeah. that's, that's that is the draft where it conversation. starts. Yeah. Because I we're gonna talk well, we about I've seen Peter. that in college basketball already. We like in college mm-hmm. basketball, that impact is already there where it's guys are realizing if especially like if you're one of those like a Drew Timmy type, he could mm-hmm. make more on an NIL deal playing for it top 10 Gonzaga team than he is going to make, you know, being on the two way deal in the G league. Yeah. Yes. And I'm, like, it's just or the reality having to like, you know, start a new in Europe and you can't start in one, in like a tippy top team and a tippy top league. You kind yeah, of, if you're not going to go to like one of those top up. Spanish leagues or like, you know, there's a couple of decent ones in like Italy and, and Greece, Greece yeah, where you can I mean, make pretty good money, but, and just so in, in basketball, this is working out like this yeah. is working out to where those guys are getting equitable pay for what their level is, for what the audience is for college basketball compared to the other college basket, you know, basketball leagues around the world. Mm-hmm. And like there it's a very like, yeah. There, there's no complaints on what those guys are getting paid or how it all. I just wonder if it's easier because on basketball, one, the rosters are smaller, but it's easier to identify. Like if you have just two or three guys where it's like, all right, we got to get these two or three guys paid and pretty much everybody else on the roster is expendable. Yeah. Yeah. And just for context, um, so the, the deadline to go to the draft or to put back out of the draft for the NBA was on Wednesday. So I was talking to somebody at CU on Tuesday who said that Jabari Walker, who decided to go to the draft, probably a late second round draft pick, um, or if he gets drafted at all, um, he was in line for about a hundred grand in NIL deals if he came back to Colorado. And so that's Mm -hmm. 
somebody who would have been top three in the odds to win MVP of the Pac-12 um, at Colorado, which obviously doesn't have – it's not what you're going to get if you did USC or UCLA or Oregon. Um, but, you know, that is the kind of number that puts things in perspective a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I like that. Bringing in the inside information. It's going to be interesting for a couple of local guys. Good luck to uh, Jabari and our guy, David Roddy. Hopefully both of them get drafted. We shall see. Anything else we want to hit on NIL before we move on? Obviously, we could kind of go in circles here. The, the main point is that it's chaos right now. There's going to be some type of dramatic change that comes to college football. Who knows what it's going to be? It'll probably be largely dictated by the TV contracts and which you know direction that goes, but times are a-changing. Go ahead, Hank. Yeah, the last thing for me, you know, you bring up those max contracts. You can't do that. Like, I mean, if, if you say, like, you can only make $2 million, that is a 30-minute lawsuit where you go in there and say, this is antitrust. This is a bunch of organizations just artificially deflating wages. And the only way you can get away with it is if the players have a union. Oh, okay. and, I was going to say, so, how does the NBA do it then? No exactly, because, because the it. union right. agrees. Yes. And so that, that's the thing that needs to happen is that the, the football players have their own union. Basketball players well, have their own union. and they tried to do that. Kane Coulter, former Cherry Creek High School starting quarterback that went on to Northwestern, led that, and he lost, like everybody else that has tried to unionize. But again, that comes back to have we outgrown the NCAA. Yep. It's different. The players have way more momentum now than they even did six, seven years ago when he was trying to lead this front. Within five years, there will probably be some type of union, I would have to imagine. Yep. Um, and I, I would imagine to. that the schools are going to say, like, we no union, no union, no union, until they figure out what the new governing body is. And as soon as they say, we now have college football, whatever, overseeing things, all right, there's no way we can do anything unless we can negotiate with the student-athletes, and now here we are. Yeah, and I mean, it's going to take about – three of those $2 million five-star quarterbacks to unionize before that catches momentum. Because yep. it it doesn't matter until the guys who really matter are pushing for it. Mm-hmm. And then once Justin Fields and Trevor Lawrence are staying in college football and pushing for, hey, we're going to play this year, you better have a season, all of a sudden shit changes real quick. So, you know, mm-hmm. Bryce Young, CJ Stroud, it's going to take a couple of those and boom, you're going to see things, you know, all of a sudden the guys wearing the big boy pants are going to get off, get up off their asses and start doing shit. And that's, that's how we finally get out of these scaled rookie contracts is when the NFL says, you know what, we can't be trying to get $4 million Mm -hmm. to this eighth overall pick. He can go make that in college again. And so that's when you get out of this dumb money ball, like, Oh, cost control quarterback for four years. Can you get lucky? Then after that, you got yeah, but the NFL PA will fight that too. So it's you, yeah, that's where you get tricky but, with the union. But once agents are no longer pushing underclassmen to go into the NFL because hey, we gotta we gotta get that clock started on your rookie contract so you can have two shots. In that's your a good prime point. That's probably the biggest renewal. factor there. It's that clock. All of a sudden, it, it's the market that's going to dictate it. You know, you can argue it in in uh, you know negotiation all you want, mm-hmm. but once the market dictates that, and you're exactly. missing out on on Bryce Young and C.J. Stroud, then what happens? Well, what happens oh. is the TV deals for the NFL and NCAA uh-huh. get into bidding wars because now that's where the money needs to come for, for us to steal 
Bryce Young a year earlier, CJ Stroud. Yep. And I mean, what it wouldn't start to surprise me if all of a sudden eligibility age started to yep. not matter. Um, because now high schoolers are getting paid on NIL deals. So yeah, it's crazy. I think this pod is going to see a real evolution mm-hmm. in how we evaluate. It already had like the transfers have already changed things monumentally. Um, it's going to be incredible. It, it's just the beginning, kids. There's it's so the many new factors after everybody is in such staunch positions for forever. Like there's there's reasons for schools to be cheering for the players to unionize. There's reasons for the NFL players to say, you know what? We actually are fine with more money going to the rookie. Like there are reasons for all these people to change their stances. And this is all going to play out over the next five years. And we'll see which of these forces is the strongest. It's going to be incredible. I'll say this. We talk a lot about the coaches' salaries. We'll see real quick in the next decades which coaches are worth their pay and which coaches are able to evolve and continue. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, as much as, you know, old guys like Saban, you know, love to come out and, and complain and bitch and moan. Saban's also been great at, you know, evolving over the years and staying with the times. So the, the coaches that do it, you know, the Lincoln Riley's seemingly of the world are probably going to be very successful. And, you know, you're going get to guy, get guys like uh, Dabo who uh, come off as old men yelling at the sky. So it's going to be interesting. But let's, uh, let's move on. Let's talk about some of these 2023 draft prospects. We just mentioned. Let's go to segment two. Just, just take a on. quick break. Yeah, All right. that went long. Yeah, we're gonna get into go. that on uh, the Pac-12 stuff uh, because actually, <laughs> believe it or not, I think it plays right into this NIL stuff. The Pac-12 and entire West is getting disrespected going into this season, and I think again might be just the start of a new normal. I know. Are you ready for the NBA champs to be crowned? Join the finals yes. action with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. New customers can make any $5 NBA bet get $150 in free bets instantly. If you're looking to turn another small bet into a big payday during the NBA finals, use the DraftKings Same Game Parlay. The NBA season, a customer placed a $5 Same Game Parlay. They won five grand, guys. They placed a $5 bet, turned it into five Gs. That's absolutely insane. Create your own parlay by combining multiple bets like which team will win, total threes made, total rebounds. Boom, you've got a shot at an even bigger payout. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use that promo code DNVR when you sign up so they know that we sent you. Make any $5 bet during the NBA Finals. Get $150 in free bets instantly. That promo code DNVR only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. Must be 21 or older, Colorado only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit. Restrictions to apply. See DraftKings.com slash Sportsbook for details. And if you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-522-4700. Also, I'm thinking about having a brekkie brekkie tomorrow. Mm. Do you know what that, that means, Dre? No. Oh, come on. Not even a guess. I, I, I just I just don't. I, uh, there goes brekkie, the Steve. Brekkie. Okay, fine. We're going to do this the, the born way. Breckenridge Brewery is awesome. They make a bunch of... Okay. I, I, it's when you have a Breckenridge beer for breakfast. That's what the kids say now. Uh, That's probably what Lucia is saying is brekkie instead of breakfast. And okay. Breckenridge is also brekkie. Do you need to use an Aussie accent for that? Brekkie. That was just brekkie? a funny voice. I can't do brekkie? it. Yeah. Neither one of those. <laughs> there we go. Yes. <laughs> there we go. But the reason is, um, so remember my, my cousin, or my, my girlfriend's cousin who graduated, Claudia? 
Who, how could we forget? Turns out she has two graduation parties. And so... Whoa. Yeah, so the second one is tomorrow. So I'll be going to that graduation party, which will be much better with a couple Breckenridge beers first. Then I'm going to the DMVR bar, where I think there's actually a pretty large contingent of CU athletics staff on the way, which is going to be fun. So I figured I should probably drink a bunch of Breckenridge beers for that, too. Um, And so I think it's going to be a big old Breckenridge party that's going to start with a Brecky Brecky. And uh, I'm pretty fired up. It's avalanche season, so drink the avalanche. I drank an avalanche at the game last night, the avalanche game. Um, it's uh, the perfect fit. Get on the beer locator at breckbrew.com. Find some beers. Uh, they're, they're good. Also, nominate a stellar community member and an Avs fan who should get the chance to celebrate at a playoff game. Each home game, they are hooking up a fan and a friend with tickets, gear to match, of course, a bunch of avalanche ale. They're going to donate a proceeds or a portion of the proceeds of all sales of avalanche ale to the community fund Boulder County to help benefit Marshall fire victims. Visit, visit breckbrew.com to nominate a community star, send them to an Avs playoff game. We love our community. So does Breck. Shout out to them. Sorry, Hank. Just wanted to make sure we got in the things they actually wanted us to say on the ad. They um, told me to say Brecky Brecky. Yeah. Okay. It's, it's I like it. <laughs> it's interesting. That was a, that was a direct. My birthday's uh, next week. I'll have a Brecky Brecky on my birthday and I'll, uh, yeah. I'll send you a picture. Look All right, that. Dre, you're driving now. We pulled over. Kings. Good yes, point. Yes, we've pulled over. We're changing. Uh, presented by DraftKings, who has odds for the number one draft pick in 2023 that are going to look not dissimilar to Mel Kuyper's latest rankings. Ooh. And um, they also have new quarterback props up um, for the first quarterback taken in next year's draft you can already tell there's more excitement about this quarterback class than there ever was with last year's you guys are killing me um but let's go so i hinted at it already one theme to take from both those odds and these rankings doesn't matter how much money usc is spending on recruits and admittingly happily um not to mention that they gave Lincoln Riley like some beautiful mansions on the beach. No one hiding that info. They seem to be very happy with how they're splashing the cash. Maybe Jimbo could take a lesson out of that instead of acting like the biggest Karen in all of college football. Jeez, <laughs> Louise, that was insane. And yet I, I could watch it forever. I mean, um, it's West Coast stuff. That's like Snoop Dogg, Dr. Dre. You think Snoop Dogg buys a mansion and doesn't tell everybody? You think Snoop Dogg buys a five-star recruit and doesn't start flexing on that stuff? Like, that's that's the culture. You you flex on the money you spend. Down in Texas, they're like, oh, yeah, you aren't going to be able to tell, but these cowboy boots are 10 grand. It's such garbage. We love the West Coast. We love it. We love it, man. The West is the best. Uh, so that's takeaway one. The West is getting disrespected. Um, and... I mean, Kuiper's at-large top 10 position rankings, zero from the Mount West, Justin, which I realize is going through a tran- a bit of a transition year. I think that's fair, right? Um, with like, talent at the top, which fantastic yeah, thing yeah. for, for Jane Orvell and the Air Raid gang over there. But um, the other takeaway from a Broncos standpoint the Yikesies on the offensive tackle class, which has given us a lot of talent the last 
three, four years, some really nice classes and uh, cornerback classes, which have been really loaded, right? Kind of the theme, like, wow, we've gotten enough talented corners to kind of match the insane output of great wide receivers. Yikes. Kind of. So those, those two pipelines drying up a little this year, everyone's hyped about the quarterbacks. The West is getting disrespected. And then the, the top three DraftKings odds, different order from the top three Kuiper odds. Those are the four topics I bring to you wherever you would like to start is where we may start. We're all in on Bryce Young, right? Like going into this 2023 season. Just want to put that on the table. Hank, it's up to you. It's up to you. Uh, he, yeah, I mean, yes. I mean, compared to, is, is he going to be a top five pick? Should he be? Absolutely. Mm. But he also has a couple Tua vibes to him. And that's probably unfair to him. But because of those couple Tua vibes, it does like make me just a tiny bit hesitant. But yes, absolutely is, is a top five pick. I wish I like he was deep. I'll say that. A lot better than Tua. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. He's, he's small. He's tiny. So, Which is fine now, I guess. CJ Stroud, QB1 for you. I lean CJ Stroud, even though he's hey, not what's as your good. Chest? But he's your dude. Yeah, no, I lean CJ Stroud, even though he's not as good as Bryce Young. And that's just like the banking on the traits, banking on the size. And mm-hmm. it's a, I hate people who do that. And I'm one of them. And there's, I think there's probably an 80% chance I change my mind before the draft. That's fair, dude. We're in, we're in June. That's, that's, I just wanted yeah. to, I wanted to have a little bit of disparity. Sometimes we have a little bit too much consensus here. Kuiper has Will Anderson one, um, Bryce yep. Young two, CJ Stroud three, and the, um, the DraftKings odds for the number one overall pick are the exact opposite with Stroud plus 200, Bryce Young plus 225, Will Anderson plus 330. I'm on the Bryce Young train merely due to the poise. I could not believe that Georgia game. That Georgia game was. They were a year early, dude. I said it a bunch of times last year. I'll say it again. People are going to get really mad when this Bama team steamrolls everybody this year, but. They were a year early. They probably weren't a playoff team last year, and they kind of snuck in. And now this is going to be year two with Bryce Young. And yeesh, look out. Yeah, I'm, I'll throw an ominous caveat to that and just say, like, well, that, that Texas game early on, I know Texas doesn't sound scary, but if, you're, if you happen to be missing a couple of, of key players, you could see how that one could get a bit sketchy. And so I'll throw that out there ominously, and nobody will know what I'm saying until it happens. All right, I'm going to say confidently <laughs> right now. Bama wins that game by three plus scores, but yeah. we can we can come back to that down the line. Mm-hmm. Pac-12 prospects, Hank. We've got um, Penny's Bro Bro mm-hmm. and uh, Jordan Addison, who I'm sure you guys were able to talk some in last week's pod. Yeah, I mean Jordan Plus, Addison, uh, really good receiver, should probably be. I don't know. I I honestly like Jackson Smith and Jigba a little bit better. Um, I think that there's a couple of those receivers who you put up there in front of him. But, I mean, the production's right there. Jordan Addison, the top 25 right now, like, that's that's just a lock. And then, of course, uh, uh, Penny Sewell, Noah Sewell, there we go. Um, He's awesome. I mean, him and Justin Flo, they came in, the two linebackers together uh, at Oregon, and... Sewell got on the field first, 
Sewell is bigger. I'm not sure if he's still listed like 264, but he moves really well for it. Flo is built a little bit more like a modern linebacker. Those two going back and forth, it, uh, yeah. Yeah. you might see the two first linebackers off the board come from that same team, which would be pretty crazy. Um, and then, I mean, outside of that list, just to throw a couple more names out there, I mean, obviously, Caleb Williams isn't eligible this year. We still got Zach Charbonnet, who didn't declare. You got the two tight ends from Utah, who I think are going to climb up the rankings and uh, brand Kate's a stud. I'm bothering him. Yeah. Yeah. I was just looking to the Athlon Sports. Uh, they put out their preseason all Pac-12 teams with Keithy on the first team and Fotheringham at the uh, on the third team. So two of the top three at the same school is pretty crazy. Um, our guy Jackson Kirkland talked about him quite a bit. Andrew Voorhees, the lineman from USC. Tuli Tula Pelotu from there. ZTF from Washington. So there's there's a bunch of guys to keep an eye on. Caillou Blue Kelly at Stanford. Um, but I mean, only having two in the top twenty five right now. Maybe fair. Maybe fair. Honestly. Yeah, and this is one of those years where I think it's not so much national media disrespecting the West, but to some extent we're seeing a bit of a transition. And I mean, like these are the direct results of all those top quarterbacks out of California not staying in the Pac-12. And next year, Caleb Williams will probably be number one on this list. Yep. Very good point. I would throw out uh, Utah also added Florida transfer linebacker Mohamed Diabate, a guy who had like 90 tackles last year, flies around, makes plays in the run and pass game. It wouldn't surprise me if he ended up, you know, being in the mix as a top 25 prospect when it's all said and done. I just, I like his frame. I really like his game and he's going to shine in the Pac 12, man. He's, I'm not saying he's going to like do what Devin Lloyd did, but in all that space going against some of these smaller teams, like he's going to eat. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, we've, we've got 13 or five quarterbacks in the top 13 here for Kuiper, which man, we're really falling at, you know, like guys like Anthony Richardson who like weren't even starting. Um, but I rolled my eyes a little bit at some, I get it. Yeah, it's, you know, it's, it's how you do this in the preseason. But if you want to, if you want to throw a bunch of darts out and, you know, have the best chance of hitting, just throw a bunch of quarterbacks out because positional value quarterbacks and edge, and you'll probably get like half of them. Yeah, exactly. Um, I also think it's noteworthy. Like Kayla Williams is back there. Like Pac-12 schools are happily, happily admitting that they're paying um, yeah. guys. Like we basically know what the exact sum Jordan Addison was given. Um, so I kind of think that's changing already, right? Uh, but anyways, related to that, Tanner McGee at Stanford, a guy just outside of those top five dudes who are getting put in, you know, top 20s of a lot of these preseason rankings is a guy to keep an eye on. Way more traits than anything, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, how much is Mills's first successful rookie season playing into that, you know? Yeah, and a lot of lot of similarities between those two. Yeah. He was just no nobody watched Stanford last year because they were just so bad. Uh, I think they still beat USC by double digits, but that's not the point. Um, Fifteen touchdowns, completed two thirds of his passes. Like you do see those traits kind of come through, and then obviously when you're the six foot six, four star, five star who goes to Stanford, like there you're you're going to be in the top ten on this list. 
Who's your guys' breakout candidate for the Pac-12 this year? That's a tough one. I mean, Cam Rising has probably already broken out at USC. That's who I had, but then I was like, I don't know if that really counts. At Utah, sorry. Utah, yeah. Yeah, but I mean, he... I was crazy. We're going to get into these quarterback rankings, but he he was in that second tier, top six in there, which I think is a little bit high, but you see why. Like, he's got a bunch of talent. He's going to be on a really good team. It's probably not going to look bad at the end of the year. Um, let's see. I mean, Charbonnet's already broken out, but he gets an even bigger role. Yeah. yeah. Um, give yeah, me a second to think him. about still. Uh, I think... Arizona State added Wyoming running back Xavier Valaday, a guy who's really tore it up for three straight years. I don't, I do think he'll get some looks at the NFL just because of his size. I don't know if he's fast enough to be an NFL back, but I do think he'll be pretty successful at Arizona State in that offense, especially just for a team that, you know, is kind of in a weird spot. You know, you lose your QB and I, I have no idea what to make of this Arizona State or Arizona team, to be honest. They're both going to be real bad. Maybe better in Colorado, but real bad. Who's going to start at QB for Arizona? Is it going to be Dorman? Is it going to be the freshman? Delora. Okay. Oh, that's Transfer right. They the Washington, Washington State. State transfer. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. He actually, I mean, they might have a top five quarterback in the Pac-12. They're just, they're still a year away. Um, I guess. Any reason to pay attention to Washington State at all? Just real quick, since you brought them up. That transfer quarterback from Incarnate, all right? Incarnate yeah, Cameron Ward. That's right. 47 touchdowns last year. Yeah. That's that's a big one. I mean, and he's another one where he could be top three quarterback in the conference. He could yes. not really translate. Yes. But yes. outside of yes. that, I don't <laughs> I can't think of anybody off the top of my head. Um, Travis Dye would be my candidate for breakout. It's far from a, I mean, he's already been a star yeah. in the conference. But he's another of these guys who got probably not an absurd bag from USC, but he's added to kind of him, Caleb Wilson, uh, Williams, Jesus, Williams, yeah, um, and Jordan Addison are the big names that have been uh, added kind of to that Lincoln Riley offense. So I love that guy. One of the most. Who's your favorite player? Is that your favorite player in the pack? No, I I love Sewell. That yeah. dude is. And me too. That's why I yeah. also put that. I think Kuiper is highly underrating him. I think that's a guy who, um, you know, has top 10 value in this class, has uh, all down versatility. I was going to say it. I thought I was going to be too bold. I'm glad mm-hmm. that makes me feel a lot better. I just, um, when you watch him, it's just, yep. yes. you shouldn't be able to move like that at that size. It Agreed. doesn't, it doesn't compute. And I mean, that's the thing. Like, as much as we're like, oh, we're going to go lighter personnel and we want versatile guys who can play the nickel and you know what also works is having guys who run four or five flats at 250 and are going to shut down the run but also be able to be useful in coverage and really scare anyone catching anything over the middle that also is going to help your team (laughs) yes Uh, it is modern football old school football it kind of (laughs) translates no matter what year you're in so i love that dude um I just think I I do think as much as yeah, mm, Pac-12 might be in a transition year similar to the Mountain West to some extent. Mm-hmm. We always see this where guys are getting like slept on and will will break out. You know, like like I don't know, like is DTR that far off Anthony Richardson? 
that's the no. thing. And he's gotten so much better. He always just turned the ball over. That was the problem. Last year, he cut down the turnovers. He's got one more year to be just like a good quarterback. And throwing throwing my my best breakout prospect out there, I'm surprised it took me this long, Christian Gonzalez going yeah. to Oregon. Yeah. Like getting slept on at Colorado, but you look at him and it's like, yeah, 6'3", six, 200-plus-pound six, cornerback who's going to run sub-4-5 at least and comes from a family of Olympic sprinters. So you probably expect him to to even break that 4-4 mark. It's at least on the table. Going to Oregon after already putting up a pretty ridiculous season, I what gave up a little over 300 yards all year, most of those to Drake London in that one game. But you throw that one out, and he's right up there with any cornerback. DraftKings has USC at plus 200 to win the Pac-12, followed by Oregon at plus 280, Utah plus 280. Then it goes all the way to plus 850 for UCLA. It kind of feels like it's USC, Oregon, Utah, then UCLA, then everybody else. Is that kind of an accurate assessment of the tiers in the pack right now? That's probably fair. Like, you'd be tempted to put, like, a Stanford or a Washington um, near UCLA just because they're yeah. very capable of getting back to where they were. But both teams were bad last year. Again, though, if we're, we're saying USC is going to be the best odds, that kind of still blows my mind. Like, it's a lot of good turnover. They, they, they added a better coach and better quarterback. But it's not like they were bad offensively. Like, they were 4-8 and eight last year with six double-digit losses to teams like Stanford and like Oregon State because they couldn't defend anybody. And so I... I think that they probably finished third. I think it probably goes Utah, Oregon, USC. Like, I just can't see USC surpassing Utah this year. But the year after, that's that's when that should happen. Sure. But then that next year, yeah, like UCLA could make a run. Washington, Stanford, if Tanner McKee works out, I really think that those two teams, just because of the talent that they always have, like they're, they're big-time bounce-back contenders. I feel like those are teams you look at their win totals and try and mine that, not, you know, take it. Taking a flyer to win the conference. Mm-hmm. I'm always going to put my money on Utah until always. proven otherwise. Yep. They got the best home field advantage in the conference. It's part of a brutal swing, usually. I, I just, they're experienced. I, I like that team. They're well coached, even though I think Kyle Whittingham's a total dick. He's a really good coach. Um, yeah. Yeah. And they get USC at home. It's that's huge. huge. In the yeah. South, that's huge. Does feel like the South, you know. We're starting to see Chris Peterson having left all the turnover at Oregon. Um, obviously, you know, like the the land of misfit toys that was working out at Washington State. Now with the pirate gone and all the mess that's happened over there, they're not really like, uh, you know, flirting with the end of the top 25 rankings all that much. We've really seen a switch where the the South is way more intriguing. And don't sleep on UCLA, who I think is mm-hmm. right. Like they, they've built a from a value team. perspective. Yes, at plus eight fifty, I'd rather yes. put money on them than USC or Oregon, just in terms of what the payback would be. I mean, yeah. I, again, I think I think Utah is the safest bet. But yeah, I, I was just curious where you guys were totally. at. Um, yeah, it's the Pac twelve for you, baby. Can CU beat any of these teams this year? Is it just too early to say with how much? Yeah. I mean, the thing about CU and CSU is these teams are going to be so drastically different. Yep. Yeah, there's I mean, there's no telling. I mean, like last year when you're playing USC and the USC linebackers are literally calling out the plays before they happen on the field. Like, yikes. There's just, I mean, you can't really account for that 
in terms of like how much better do you get from there? So, so who knows with that offense? I mean, if they're, if they're average in the country, then yeah, they can compete, but that would be a massive step forward for them. And so who knows then defensively you lose probably your four best players, but you were the third best defense in the PAC 12 last year. Probably it's just that the offense was so bad. It tanked tanked you. Like now you're probably looking at better than average, but who knows defensively offensively, Nothing would be a surprise except for being a good offense. Lewis starts at QB. I have it 55-45. It's him over Shroud. Mm. But now, nah, I don't know. I haven't reevaluated in like a month. I've just been saying that. So now I do wonder. It might just, it better be Shroud. If it's Lewis, I, mean, I don't think he's taking a big enough step to compete. You better hope Shroud's better. Buffs at plus 20,000 to make it to and win. The Pac-12 championship. Don't touch it. Um, the twenty thousand. <laughs> yes, twenty thousand. Only Arizona is a longer shot than that. We mentioned we've got some quarterback um, first quarterback taken odds, which you know we talked about the Strout, Bryce Young, and the top five. Um, Tanner McGee plus 4,000 tied with Keaton Slovis and my guy Brennan Armstrong plus 4,000 to be the first quarterback taken, which I would sprinkle something on Brennan Armstrong if there weren't all those other studs. Um, This is the only place we can see odds for the most part right now on Mountain West quarterbacks, uh, Justin, where Jake Hayner was kind of going to be our top Top guy to dial in on, especially as we start the season off in the Mountain West schedule. Um, you know, to, to zero in on on that non-conference schedule as we watch the Mountain West. Fresno, the one team not so much going through a period of transition. Uh, actually really kind of intriguing what they've got going on there. Hainer for a second flirted with the transfer portal, then decided to stay because Tedford, right, um, has come back. So lots going on over at Fresno and I love the former Washington uh, transfer. Yeah, dude. I mean, the big question is he's, you know, he's like six foot one. Yes. 200 pounds, basically, you know, he's, he's very small, but he's a phenomenal athlete. He's one of the better quarterbacks at throwing on the run. He's terrific Mm -hmm. at improvising and he's just, He's he's just fun, man. Like he, that game at UCLA last year was insane. All of their games were really fun. People are kind of, I don't know. I, we talked about it last year. Like Boise State just always gets the benefit of the doubt going into the year. And I they should be better than they were last year. But to me, Fresno State has got to be the most dangerous team going in. With When you bring mm-hmm. back the best quarterback, like that's obviously going to give you an advantage. But at running back, they have Jordan Mims. He's awesome. Jalen Cropper is an elite playmaker at wide receiver. Again, probably too small to be like a, a really effective guy in the NFL, but these guys together are, are going to put up a ton of points. The tough thing for them is they've got a brutal schedule. In the first six weeks alone, they play Oregon, uh, USC, and Boise State. So, like that's that's going to be a gauntlet. If they could somehow go two and one, obviously you're looking pretty. I think you got to go at least one and two if you want to end up, you know, making any type of noise, have any type of relevant season, but. Hayner's going to be fun. And I do think he's a guy that I know he's too small, but he's got the arm. He's really accurate. I, I, 
I'm going to have to talk myself out of him. I'll say that because he's just so much fun. And like, we've, we've been okay with short guys, but it's true. The smaller, they're, they're mostly short and thick. Yeah. He's um, not. Who's the, who's like the skinniest of the short quarterbacks? Kyler. Even he's kind of got some thickness to him. He's kind of some bowling ball. Yeah. You know? dude. Yeah. I think I mean, Hayner'd have to put on about 15 pounds just because, I mean, we saw it. He got beat up a little bit at times yeah. because he is yeah. such an improviser. And, and, you know, when that happened, Fresno State was much less effective. Um, yeah, it's, it's kind of a weird year for the Mountain West as a whole because, like, last year you go in and everyone's looking at Khalil Shakir and Carson Strong and Romeo yeah. Dubs and Cole Turner. Like, you had these really obvious NFL prospects. Yes. This year, like, you have guys, you know, you can look at the Utah State quarterback, Logan Bonner, or Hank Bachmeyer, who's been at Boise State for, like, 10 years and mm-hmm. will probably be a, a backup, kind of, like, ripping in the NFL. But to me, it, the, the most intriguing things, it's, like, kind of the unknowns. You know, UNLV's off was terrible last year, but their offense, they actually put up a lot of points. They brought in Harrison Bailey at quarterback from Tennessee, or they have a true freshman, uh, or a guy that was a true freshman last year and was really effective down the the stretch. I'm drawing a blank on his name. Nevada brought in Oklahoma State transfer Shane Illingworth. San Diego State brought in Virginia Tech transfer uh, at quarterback. Um, Again, I'm drawing a blank on his name. Uh, Burmeister, Braxton Burmeister. So like right, 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 right. all of these teams, you know, there's a possibility that like seven or eight of the teams in the Mountain West this year are going to have different starting quarterbacks. And three of them might be quarterbacks that started at other schools. Like Clay Millen came over from Nevada. Andrew Peasley transferred from Utah State to Wyoming. He's going to start for Wyoming now. Levi Williams went from Wyoming to Utah State. Chevin Cordero went from, San, uh, from Hawaii to San Jose State. Eight out of the 12 teams in the Mountain West added at least one transfer from another Mountain West school. I've never seen anything like this offseason where there was just so much like incestuous movement. Half of Nevada ended up at CSU. A couple of their wide receivers went over to San Jose State. Fresno State picked up a couple of guys. It's just, it's going to be completely chaotic. And it, it, it could end up being a really weird year where we, we just see like, I mean, a team like CSU even, you know, just throwing them out. Mm-hmm. Or it's just, you just don't know. Like, maybe they score 45 points a game and they end up winning 10 games just because everybody is so weird this year. I'm not saying that's going to happen. Don't come back and clip me on this. I'm just saying anything can happen when you have this much change. How would you uh, handicap the top four in the conference? I would put Fresno State as the favorite just because I think the best quarterback always gives you the best advantage in a, in a conference like this. Yeah. Then I would go Utah state uh, who, you know, again, they have, they have to, they have to make up for a lot of lost production with the receivers that they're losing, but they've added some talent from the transfer portal as well. I think they're going to be good again. And again, behind them is where it gets really interesting. Yeah. Who's, I mean, he's got a great arm. I will say, he got benched a couple of times last year because he's he's really careless with the football at times. And as exciting as their offense was, he just threw a lot of fuck it balls. And, mm-hmm. you know, Peasley would get playing time, the dual threat guy, just because there were times where, like, he would be so careless with the football, they would have to take him out just because, like, you're putting us in a detrimental position. He would normally get put back in the game. But with Levi Williams, former Wyoming guy, a guy that's played, I mean, he played really well against CSU. He's big, he runs well, he can throw a deep ball. It wouldn't shock me like if, if they have some turnover issues early. I mean, 
they got to go to Bama week two. Like <laughs> anything could happen. The Utah State team is going to be really weird. Um, behind them, though, I, then I would go Boise State at three, um, San Diego State four. And then I think it's kind of a, a pretty steep drop off after that. You have a lot of interesting teams. San Jose State should be better. CSU should be better. Wyoming, I don't know. I mean, Wyoming, Nevada, and Hawaii, those three teams lost the most offensive production of any three teams in the entire country. Those were the bottom three. It's wild. And yet, Justin was giving out uh, Wyoming in week zero and week one, Hank. Believe that. Uh, because on the island, anything can happen, as we all know. Um, Hazik Daniels, I don't know, not so much from an NFL standpoint, but at Air Force is always going to make the Falcons. Him and Brad Roberts are both fun, the fullback that they have. By the way, have fun with that Air Force team this year, CU, because they were good last year. They're going to be even better this year. And there's a thing about, the thing about Air Force is when you play them, you think, all right, like last time they came in, they were able to establish the option. We'll know it this time. We'll be prepared for it. Nope, you won't be. They're going to run fullback dive three straight times for three straight first downs, and it's going to be infuriating because you're going to be bigger. You're going to be more athletic. You're going to have more talent. It's just what they do. They're the best football program in this state, and they're going to beat both of us this year, and it's going to be brutal. Yeah, Mel Tucker was really upset when, when he was here. The fact that they would even consider scheduling Air Force, and they spent... They had a period every day during fall camp where they just worked on defending the triple option. I remember talking to CSU does it every week, every year, and it doesn't matter. That's my whole point. You can can prepare for it. You know what's coming. They still run it down your throat. Yeah, there's a lot of that. But seeing it definitely does help. And that was one of the things Tyson Summers said, the defensive coordinator at the time. He said, like, yeah, they're going to beat us the first time. We're going to get them the second time because we'll have seen it. And now that entire staff is gone. Justin disagrees. I still think like, yeah. I've watched it for 25 years. I've watched teams have this false confidence. I've Boise State, San Diego State, teams that were bigger, more athletic, stronger, power five teams. It does not matter. Air Force will win that game. I mean, they are they aren't undefeated over the last 25 years. Like, like, but yeah, I mean, they're it's tough to pick CU in that game. Again, like whenever you play in Air Force. It just it's in the springs too, right? Random, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Not that I, they have like an epic home field fans. advantage or anything. Yeah, like, yeah, they don't. Nobody cares. Yeah, yeah so it'll be interesting. Actually, look brutal. Um, depending oh, on how yeah. many buffs. Well, fans. Boulder fans look good. like CSU usually fills their stadium, but Maybe. yeah, yeah. They play but, FCS powerhouse Northern Iowa to start the season too. The Falcons do. Oh, that's an interesting that, game. I yeah. I th- yeah. You can't take Northern Iowa in that one, I don't think. But it's tempting. Yeah, it's tempting. But again, like Air Force, due to their system, uh, is going to be really tough. I mean, and look, I, I do this every three to four years. I think in a year of transition like this, pretty intriguing to sprinkle Air Force, right? But somehow, some way, they're going to lose those three games anyways, and it's not going to really matter. They're going to beat, like, they'll beat Boise State, and they'll beat, you know, like a Fresno, or I don't I don't know what their schedule right now off the top of my head, but then they'll, they'll lose to, like, a San Jose State or a San Diego State, and, and they'll yeah. drop one of the service academy games, and it's just, yes. they're weird. You know, like last year, they, they were so much better than Army, and they just, they couldn't, they couldn't pull it out in a defensive showdown. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't see a lot of NFL talent on Air Force. I know I kind of got a sidetracked here, but 
they are going to be a, a really intriguing team. And I do think they're by far going to be the most dangerous team in, in the state of Colorado going into next year. Uh, my yeah. favorite NFL prospect in the, the Mountain West is a safety JL Skinner from Boise State. Absolute thumper, like 6'4", 225, forced three or four fumbles last year. Great in the open field. Ball hawk, just a playmaking dude. An NFL safety, if I've ever seen one. Um, yeah, I really like him. CSU has an intriguing edge prospect in Mohamed Kamara, about 6'4", 240, moves well, has flashed over the last couple of seasons. I think he's in for a big year. Obviously, wide receiver Torrey Horton, who's coming over from Nevada. He's an NFL receiver already. Um, defensive tackle Don Peterson at Nevada, who is a bit, he clogs up a bunch of space, good against the run. I don't think he moves well enough at the NFL uh, to translate in the NFL, though. That's about it as far as like the obvious prospects go. Um, you could throw like Army. Kyle Harmon, San Jose State linebacker. Go ahead, during my bad. Earlier, uh, you know, with that Air Force game, Andre Carter is actually the only linebacker that Kuiper had ranked ahead of Noah Sewell. And I mean, it's really more of an edge, but he's 6'7", 250 at Army. Could potentially be the first uh, first rounder to come out of Army since 1946. So, Can you take that risk, though, with like how... Because like every couple of years, it seems like they're always changing those rules as far as service academy guys and like whether they're actually able to defer their service and stuff. And where are we at with that now? Are they able to go again? I think the last one we had was um, the quarterback, right? And I think yeah. he was able to defer in that. Keenan Reynolds, out. okay. Yeah, the Navy. Well, because I just remember who is that Air Force wide receiver? It cost him an NFL career. I can't remember his name, but he yeah, was like in that right. limbo where they had approved it, and then they stopped, and now they've gone around. But I, to me, it seems like there's probably enough positive momentum and PR pressure to allow these guys to go do it. But you never know. Case though, so that that'll be a fun one to follow. Um, yeah. yeah. Anything else? You can get, you can get Colorado uh, win totals up on DraftKings Sports with the presenting sponsor. What's it at? The show. Three, three and a half? Three and a half. Three. Okay. So Henry's Over under, Hank. Under. Great. Uh, yeah, this can't it's just too... be Henry slandering the team. He yeah. No, I'm just, guys, I'm just curious. I'm genuinely picking the with these combos, and it can't... Hen- Henry's legitimately... Uh, Hurting his job standing. Yeah, I mean, um, TCU, Minnesota, and Air Force to start. You got to find a way to win one of those. And then your other winnable games are in October. And that's when you have, I think it's Arizona State, Arizona, Oregon State, maybe Washington State's the other one. Yeah, the over is attainable there. I'm not sure it's I would attainable. take it, but it's, it's on the table. Yeah, they, they just have to be a lot better. Like, you cannot have the third-worst offense in college football again. Quick show note, um, it's not Oregon. It's Oregon State that Fresno State is playing in the uh, Oh, okay. Quarter. I read that wrong. So, so thank you. They, they played Oregon up. last year. But that that is significantly different. That yeah. makes you feel a lot better. Yeah, and I mean, another big performance against USC. Oregon State, kind of a intriguing team this year as well. Big NFL tight end. Um, and then, you know, they do some wacky stuff with that backfield, which is always fun. 
They're kind of like the, the Air Force, just the unpredictable of, of the Pac-12. Yep. But They kind of have become that way, yeah. yeah. And I think Washington's kicking themselves for not taking that staff on while they could um, and being a, a year too late on that transition. I agree. Yeah. It's going to be fun. I, I will say just real quick, since Dre brought it up, we, we have expressed some pessimism, but like I said, there's so much change going on with CU and CSU right now. It's impossible to say these teams could break out and be a bowl team that sh- surprises everybody and, you know, pulls some upsets. They could be a teams that struggle because that's what happens when you have this much roster movement, when you have this many moving pieces. It's just kind of a gamble. It can go either way. You're either Utah State or you're the complete opposite. It backfires. You're New Mexico. But I'm looking forward to it. Thank you guys for listening to this podcast. We'll be back next week. Jake will be back, hopefully. He's just enjoying a little vacation time. I uh, hope everybody is enjoying their summer. Go Avs. Peace.